Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Happy Wednesday, everybody. As always, I'm your co-host, Brian Peacock, alongside Matt Williamson. We are breaking down safeties today. Williamson's top 25 safeties in the NFL. And Matt, I mean, this is like... There's been a lot of great safeties throughout the history of the league, but right now it's almost like a renaissance of the position with the depth, right? Like how hard was it to do 25 safeties? Yeah. It's funny because my new editor over at pro football network was like, Hey, you know, safeties might be harder. You came up with 25 backs running backs with no problem. If you just want to do a dozen or 15, that's fine. And then I could, I had more guys that I wanted to put on the list when I got to 25. Like when you do exercises like this, you realize, wow, a lot of these guys are very young. There aren't many that I think won't be on the list, you know, next year. And there's a lot of them. I mean, a lot of versatile playmaking guys, middle of the field dudes that more than I can remember have come into the league lately. It's quietly a very rich position right now in the league. Yeah, Earl Thomas was sort of the class of the league for a, a good chunk yeah. of time. He's been, I think, overtaken by a few young players and some some guys that still have a ceiling they haven't touched yet. So I'm interested to see how you have all of those players ranked, some of the younger guys that are on the come up versus some of the veterans. So we'll check in with your top 25 safeties in the NFL in a bit. Uh, some news around the league. This one hit me because there's been some big-time players that have opted out already. I think we're up to 60 now. It was 40 last time I checked. 20 more players have opted out of the 2020 season. Not superstars. There's some big-name guys that, you know, it's a couple of linebackers, Dante Hightower and C.J. Mosley, but Tredavious White is reportedly, I think this is according to ESPN, undecided. Like, he's still considering opting out, and, I mean, that is a cornerstone player for the Buffalo Bills defense that would be definitely the biggest one so far if he was to opt out. Yeah, I mean, that one... Bills fans might not sleep tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, waiting for that Thursday deadline. Yeah. I mean, that is, they have some big time players, but right now they're searching for a second corner. You know, they're giving Josh Norman another shot at it. And it's probably the weakest spot on their position, the number two, three corner neighborhood, but they get away with it because white travels with number ones and they can roll coverage to those weaker guys um, I mentioned this on, on a different broadcast, my Steeler show. This would be as big a guy that could hang it up this year that's a non-quarterback almost. I mean, Aaron Donald's a little bigger, but it would be the tier below a starting quarterback not saying not not going to play this year. And that was Kim Jones that had that report on Twitter, and I don't know how serious it is, if he was just sort of an offhanded comment, yeah, I'm still thinking about it, or if – He's really strongly considered it, and, and, and he's teetering on the edge. That's an interesting one. A couple of other quick news and notes before we get to the safeties. Marquise Brown, there was reports that he's gained 23 pounds this offseason since last season. For some position groups and some players, I would think, oh, man, that's 23 pounds is maybe some bad weight in there during quarantine. But for Marquise Brown, something I didn't realize, I knew he was skinny. He said he played at 157 pounds as a rookie last year. 150. I I saw that. I mean, to me, there's two things startling about that. Like you said, anyone that says, I put on 23 pounds this offseason, I'm like, whoa, you know, that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's not because yeah. I'm about, I'm at least halfway there and it's not a good idea. I can't imagine <laughs> doubling what I've done since March. And then the second thing that was more startling was you played at 157 last year. Like, 
I know he's little. I mean, if you told me 170, 175, I'd have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. He's a thin guy. Um, and I don't think he's been sitting around eating ho-hos and Twinkies and stuff. And it's a big, he's going to show up as a chubble wub. I mean, I'm sure it's good weight, but there's no way he's going to be as quick and fast, right? I mean, I, I can't believe that, but playing at 157 is scary. That's a rarity, and it's a rarity that yeah. you would draft a wide receiver or any position that high. This, you know, at, at, once you get under the 180, 170 mark, teams sort of shy away from those players, and they're like, ah, that's a gadget player. He's not going to be able to hold up in the NFL, and Marquise Brown has had some injury problems, too, so I think that'll help his longevity bulking up, and it's crazy because you hear he gained 23 pounds. He's still only 180. And <laughs> right, after, he's still little. And probably after and two practices, that'll be down to 175. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to search real quick right now. I know he didn't, um, he wasn't available for the combine when he came out, but he at least would be, you know, you get his heights and weights. And yeah, those he things, weighed in. So. Let me see. I think it's here. Uh, 166. Yeah, yeah, I am looking at that too. It is yeah. 166, which, I mean, that's 10 pounds less <laughs> you know, than what he, <laughs> yeah. I wonder what his natural weight is. So you know, did he get up, up to 166 yeah, exactly. for the he combine? He had to bulk up to get to 166. I, it, it would seem like whatever he kind of, um, whatever he leveled out at at 157 is probably pretty natural for him. So I don't think he'll even be able to keep all that 23 pounds on, but that's no. good. He's got to get stronger because you're going to take some hits in the NFL. And um, I'm sure, I mean, in, in some cases, maybe it would add explosion, maybe a little bit more power element to the way he maybe. runs. And who knows, maybe even faster. I mean, it's hard to say he's going to be faster than he already is, but... Uh, it, I'd love to could, watch him in the preseason. Right, absolutely. One more quick note here. I mean, last thing on him, oh, real sure, quick, yeah. is just I know that a lot of people compare him to Tyreek Hill because they are, you know, rare speed. But Tyreek is pretty slapped together. I yeah. mean, Tyreek can line up and and you know have pure rushes. And I don't think Brown will ever be in that mold. But if his body resembles Hills a little bit more. Maybe it's a good thing, but my initial thoughts are, boy, adding weight is not a great idea to that extreme. Wasn't Tyreek a running back in college mm -hmm. at one point? Yes, he's got a little yeah. bit more of that body. He's not a Ball. big guy, but you know, a little bit thicker throughout. One quick note about running backs. This one surprised me a little bit. Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said that Ronald Jones is the main guy in the Bucs backfield. Yeah, and he's a pretty honest coach. I mean, as coach speak goes, I tend to believe him more than some. And that doesn't mean he will be on opening day or keep the job. Not exactly a ring endorsement for Vaughn. And they did just sign Shady McCoy, who I thought was an, an okay safety valve in that he knows the – I mean, he, he's be good in protection. He knows how to run routes. I mean, but I'm not sure I'm putting a ton of stock in that. Like, I'm not – if I had a fantasy board, I don't think I'm taking Jones up a lot higher than I did last week. It's interesting because they just signed LaShawn McCoy. So was that speaking – about Ronald Jones, or was that more like, well, look, we have a rookie, which we liked because we drafted him, but this is, we got our hands on him for the first time today, so we don't really know. So, you know, maybe the mm -hmm. rookie will have an opportunity, but he's got to win that job. He's going to start out at the bottom of the depth chart, and who knows this offseason what it's going to be like for rookies in the NFL. And maybe they got their hands on him and sat down with him, and he's like, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. And they were like, well, Ronald, you're the starter. Yep. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know that's a ringing endorsement. For yeah, Joe. he's he's hanging out with Tom Brady. And he's like, okay, how are you going to pick up this blitz? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And Tom Brady's <laughs> like, well, you're not going to see the field. And Tom goes to Bruce's <laughs> office right after and be like, he ain't seeing the field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, well, speaking of rookie running backs, actually, there was a question about your 
and I don't have the tweet in front of me, but there was a question about your list of running backs and where you would fit those rookie running backs in on your list. Do you have any thoughts there? Um, I don't uh, in that it, I don't think it's fair to rank running backs or rookies in these, these exercises. And I didn't do it with safeties, but at that position more than any, I think it's easier. I mean, if I would have included rookies, I would have had Taylor ahead of Mac, you know, I mean, I would have had Edwards Hilaire in there at some point, but really I'm just going off what I saw in college and Dobbins was my favorite of the backs and it was close. I, I mean, I really liked acres and like everyone, I liked Swift too. So I almost feel like those five were so close for me on draft day. I wouldn't change that because I've never seen anything to change my evaluation, but Dobbins would have been my first. And frankly, they'd probably be higher than most positions too. Like, is Ingram a better football player right this minute than Dobbins? Probably, but maybe not. You know, I mean, he's way more explosive and way more dangerous. As soon as Dobbins gets there from the neck up, right, then you'd mm-hmm. say most likely there's a good chance he's probably going to be a better running back just because that's the way the position goes. Yeah, I think so. And those guys acclimate quickly. They get asked to do a lot quickly. Um, so much of their position is natural skill you know you hand the guy the ball and he creates from there that you kind of have it or you don't you have a pretty good idea there's not many guys that break out as a running back in their third year right what about quarterback rankings one more real quick here before we get to the safeties another question from a listener uh where would you filter in andrew luck and colin kaepernick in your quarterback rankings luck is the interesting one for me i can speak a little bit on cap and we had talked about this. I expected Cap to be in camp somewhere by now or at least have a workout. The fact that he hasn't and that buzz has died down around Cap, and I think teams are so busy trying to figure out what's going on right now and they've already had to make some roster cutdowns to make rosters smaller, makes me feel again like my prediction of about a 50% chance that Cap would be on a roster this year is much lower again than it was yeah. a month ago. Yeah, I'm with you. And they're, they're talking about a couple shows ago, this tweet came from if I was taking them going forward. So the older quarterbacks weren't even on those lists. We broke yeah. it into AFC and NFC. Frankly, Kaepernick wouldn't even get consideration for me. I mean, I'd rather have Jameis Winston or Daniel Jones, guys I didn't even consider in my top five in the NFC. Luck, though, who is the same age as Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson was my number one NFC quarterback over guys like Dak and Wentz and Kyler even. So luck would be a really hard one. I mean, like, I still want Mahomes. Lamar was number two. Do I want luck or Watson? I probably would go Watson just because of the age. But I tweeted this just the other day. This is what's crazy about luck. How about this? I mean, 365 days ago, he was a Colt. You know, like right. when he retired, it was so late in the process and people want to kill the Colts for having a bad year. Like their quarterback quit on them this time of year. There was nothing you could do. But when he hung it up, I thought he was the second best quarterback in the league last year behind Mahomes. You know, and I thought Wilson mm-hmm. improved and he's grabbed that mantle. So luck would be extremely high for me. Like I hope the. Ben retires in a year after the Steelers win the Super Bowl and Luck calls up Coach Tomlin and says, hey, can I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think about half, the, more than half the league probably is hoping that for their right. own franchise as well, that uh, that phone call comes, comes from Luck and he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm getting that feeling again. I want to come play. 
Um, sure. Patriots, Open arms. Patriots fans, I'm sure, have that feeling right now. Yeah. Um, and even the Colts fans, because I don't think they have a long-term plan yet there either. I don't either. I mean, there's a lot of situations where luck could go to Tampa after Brady hangs it up or you know, wherever. Everybody would want him. He's a stud. It's unfortunate, but hope he's happy. Hope he comes back. Let's talk safeties. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's run them down again like we did yesterday with the running backs. 25 to 1, the best safeties in the NFL, according to Matt Williamson. And again, you can follow along at Pro Football Network with Matt's written version of this. Let's start it off. At the bottom, go up, number 25, Adrian Amos of the Green Bay Packers. And I'll preface this, and we'll go through this pretty quick because we don't have to get real in-depth on each guy, but the difference between 12 and 18 wasn't that great either. You know, like, these, there's a lot of really good ones, and even picking the top guy wasn't as easy as running backs. And so, again, there's a, a glut of really exciting safeties, and – Quandre Diggs was the guy that would have just missed. I was torn between him and Amos. And, and both those teams are quite happy with the guy they just brought in last year. So mm-hmm. uh, quality, you know, where, you know, when on the running back list, Marlon Mack was around this area and they went and drafted somebody to replace him. You know, like it, there's a lot of high quality starters here. Every team almost has two, right? Mm-hmm. Two Packers have two on this safeties. list. We Packers, yeah. right? Um, I mean, just uh, two good safeties. Forget being mm-hmm. on this list, and someone like Quandre Diggs, who the host of Locked On Seahawks, Corbin Smith, we did a crossover show talking about the best defensive players in the division. He had Quandre Diggs ranked on par with Bobby Wagner for what kind of impact he could bring. And yeah. this is pre Jamal Adams trade. Um, so that's you know someone who covers that team thinks that strongly about Quandre Diggs, who didn't even make your top twenty-five. Yeah, and if I would have done a top 26, just kind of dawned on me. Seattle, Green Bay, Buffalo, Minnesota, and the Saints would all have two. Uh, and Jaquaski Tart is not on your list here. And, and he's close, too. Yeah, right. he's not chopped liver at safety. And I think one of the reasons why the 49ers probably weren't super interested in, in trading for Jamal Adams because, yeah. I mean, so many teams have two pretty darn good safeties. Number 24, still hanging around. Malcolm Jenkins now in New Orleans. Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me if, you know, this is the beginning of the end for him. I mean, the the, the Eagles were not too – didn't put up a lot of fight, to, you know, to keep him around. He's had a great career. Him and McCourty, who I think is playing much better than Jenkins at this point, both of them came in the league as first-round corners. You know, they were both a little ahead of their time and now have turned into do-it-all safeties that are – you know, behind Earl Thomas of this generation, but, you know, one of the better guys we've seen over the last 10 years. Here's a player that I feel like the league doesn't like as much as analysts in That's Trey Austin. Yeah. He had no job, I think, this point last year. He he was a late ad, right, in Carolina last offseason? Or, yeah. I think the offseason before that, too. The, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. this guy's always available, and Carolina finally bit and gave him a decent deal this year. And he's not real physical. He's not. A, he's a finesse player, but I think it's harder to find center fielder types than it is thumpers, versatile middle mm-hmm. of the field guys. He's a true center fielder that does that really well. Darnell Savage. I liked Darnell Savage a lot in the draft last year. A lot of people were shocked by how high the Packers took him. I wasn't as shocked because I saw how dynamic of a player he was. His rookie season was really up and down, but. The sky's the limit because of how 
just how physical he plays, the way he darts in. I think he's got to get a little bit better with his angles and take a little bit more care wrapping up when he does arrive. But his range and his athleticism, I mean, it just jumps off the, the tape when you watch him play. Yeah, I, I think exactly what you said. And one of the things I mentioned was even the casual observer would be like, whoa, he kind of moves a little different than everybody <laughs> yeah. else out there. Who's that guy, you know? How about the guy that used to be Jamal Adams' teammate in New York, Marcus May, coming in at 21? Yeah, uh, he was that Greg Williams deep, 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 deep middle middle safety type guy. And he came in the league the same year as Adams and has been kind of always overshadowed by Adams. But I think his presence made it easier to move Adams. And I think May will, I'm not sure if he'll take the Adams role, but he'll be asked to do a lot more near the line of scrimmage. And he's a quality player. Landon Collins coming in at 20, very different guy, uh, box safety. You're talking about box safety. There's so many good box safeties in the NFL right now, which is why uh, maybe that free safety, that guy with the range on the back end might have a little bit more value because there's just fewer of them. Yeah, they're harder to find. Um, I didn't know where really to put Landon Collins. He's very 1985. <laughs> he is. He is. He's old school. <laughs> and some coaches love that. They're like, I want that style of player on my team. And sure. some teams are probably like, yeah, I'd like a little bit of a little more coverage, a little more hurt. coverage, a little bit more interchangeable safety looks. Yeah, he is what he is. Patrick Chung, I feel like, has been in the league for 30 years. He comes in at number 19 for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Belichick adores him and asks him to do an awful lot. Actually, there would have been two Patriots on this list, too, and come to think of it. But he is opted out. So I wonder, will we ever see him again? I mean, he was also one of the older guys in this list, too. Yeah. Number 18. He's the oldest player on this list, actually. He's the oldest. Yeah. Do, how old is yeah. Mr. Chung? Is he- I'd have to look, but there aren't many old guys on this list. So, I mean, I really think 85% of it would return next year and be on this list. So him, it's like him and Earl Thomas and Malcolm Jenkins. But none of them are old, old. Number 18, Jimmy Ward, talking about a free safety, someone who has played corner in the NFL, could play in the slot and, and has that range. Uh, health has been... Jimmy Ward's biggest problem had a really nice season last year, staying healthy all year and being that single high safety in, in the 49ers, you know, pretty heavy single high cover one, cover three defense. And and he's really found himself. Like you said, the first couple of years, he seemed like a defensive back without a home Mm -hmm. and sticking him in the deep middles worked out very, very well for him and the Niners. It's kind of where he should have been all along, but with needs, he bounced around and he would play corner one year, then he'd be playing in nickel and then he'd be playing safety and then back to corner. It's really hard for a player to, to get their bearings. Uh, He's stuck at safety for a few years now and you're seeing him blossom in San Francisco. Buda Baker, very different player, but uh, I love his versatility. He can play him just about anywhere on the back end. Yeah, and he about this part of the list is where if you would have told me, you know, if you'd asked me a week ago, hey, is Buda Baker a top 10 safety? I'd be like, yeah, he's a really good player. He's ascending. I'd love to have him. Super fun to watch. But then you realize there's a lot of really good safeties. You can't have 17 top 10 safeties. <laughs> yeah, that's what, and that's <laughs> what happens because you think about, oh, this guy is way too low. And then you start looking. It's like, well, gosh, dang. Okay, well, there's a whole bunch of good right. players up here above him. A uh, player for the Buffalo Bills. Doesn't get a lot of credit, Jordan Poyer. I like how high you have him on your list here. Yeah, and maybe I should lump him and Hyde together because I have Poyer at 16, Hyde at 14. That defense, and a lot of it goes to these two's credit, is maybe the best in the league at disguising their coverages, revealing their true coverage late in the process. And a lot of it's because these two, these two safeties 
are basically interchangeable and identical. I mean, I, I thought Hyde was a little better, but man, they are two peas in a pod. Right in between those two Bills safeties, Matt, you have an ascending player. I was surprised to see him this high, even though I love his game, and I think he does deserve to be this high. Some people might be surprised that he's ahead of his new teammate in Malcolm Jenkins, and that is C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, he's a big slot. He can blitz. He's physical. He would have been a much higher pick coming out of Florida. I think he had a couple red flags. I thought he was great as a as a, a rookie, and he's another one. I mean, easily could be a top ten player next year at this position. Yeah, he was a player that during the draft process, getting late first round grades, and you know had some size and could cover. Is really athletic, and you're seeing him at late round three, and he's not off the board yet. And you're like, what's going on here? And there was some whispers off the field. Uh, doesn't seem mm-hmm. like there's any problems off the field for him. In New Orleans, so uh, I think they got to steal the Saints. I mean, the Saints have done such a good job drafting in recent years, and that's just another one. Someone, you know, a free starting caliber defensive back that's so versatile, can play deep, can play close to the line of scrimmage, can play in the slot, cover guys uh, like C.J. Gardner-Johnson and just sit there at the top of the fourth round for the Saints. I mean, it's just stealing. Yeah, but it, the Saints drafts lately have been remarkable. You know, going back to like mm-hmm. the Kamara Ram check, you know, yep. draft, and they got another one coming up here. Actually, they had three safeties on this list. Yeah, probably the best drafts if you're lumping all the draft classes together since 2017 or so. Easily the New Orleans Saints were the best. Yeah, no doubt. I think this last class was really good too. Justin Reed coming in at number 13 for the Houston Texans. Yeah, I had a tough, I didn't know exactly where to put him. I think he keeps getting better. I don't think his name gets thrown out there enough as, you know, a, a tier two athletic safety. And I think their defense is really bad. We're getting into some star power in the top 12. So let's talk about the top 12 safeties in the NFL next, according to Matt Williamson. Earlier on, Matt, you said that at around 12, there was a tier. Was it before or after 12? Earl Thomas, is he still in the top tier of safeties for you in the NFL? I don't think so. And I love him. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I often said back in the Legion of Boom days that he was the most valuable Seahawk defender at that time because he allowed those other 10 to be so aggressive behind him. He would Mm -hmm. erase mistakes. And he has fit in Baltimore well, and he isn't just a deep middle guy. He's still a high-quality player. I just don't think – I think he's on the back nine, you know. Yeah, he's definitely on the back nine. And you're right. I I think he was as – I would have taken – Earl Thomas over Bobby Wagner, over Richard Sherman, Sherman. on that defense, yeah. over Cam Chancellor. As good as those players are, I mean, that that was an absurdly talented group they had. I'll take Earl Thomas in his prime over all of them. Me too, me too. No longer in his prime, though. Devin McCourty, how close to his prime is he coming in at number 11 for you? I still think he's really good. You know, like, they'll if they play the Panthers, hey, Devin, you got to guard Christian McCaffrey man today. Okay. You know, or you're going to play deep against this deep passing team, or you're going to get Travis Kelsey one-on-one. Okay, Bill, I got it. Year after year. <laughs> yeah. No problem, Bill. Yeah, I got it. No sweat. Eddie Jackson, Chicago Bears safety comes in at number 10. What I, when I came around to do my top 10, again, if you asked me a week ago, is Eddie Jackson a top six safety in this league? Yeah. Love him. Uh, I want that guy. I would draft him super high. He was so good two years ago. And that's one like to have him in the top 10, only 10 just shows you. And some of these guys coming up, people might not know well, 
they're great. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that weren't first round picks that were like second, third rounders that are just excelling right now. And it's called safety for a reason. And this is going to get very interesting for teams around the league. And we've already seen how the Seahawks feel about it. They traded multiple first round picks. They're going to have to pay Jamal Adams. What, 15, 17 million dollars coming up Mm -hmm. in uh, some at some point after this season. You can pay a really good safety, like starting caliber safety that could have potentially a Pro Bowl season. You could pay him half that. So that's going to be interesting how much resources teams are going to pour into the safety position, knowing how many good ones there are. And they don't have to pay top of the market money to have your butt covered on the back end for that safety position. Yeah, and what's funny is a couple of these guys coming up that aren't huge names were just franchised by Denver and Minnesota. And because I mentioned this list is so young, we're going to quickly find out. You know, <laughs> right, that that can... a lot of these guys are going to be free agents year after year. There's going to be, wow, there's five great safeties on the market or three guys got franchised this year in safety position. Absolutely. A lot of these top 10, this dollar amount could climb very quickly and it could uh-huh. start with Marcus Williams, who is, if you're counting along at home, the third safety to show up on this list for the Saints. Yeah, and, and he's the one that was part of that Kamara class and Ramchek. And people are hard on him because the Stefan Diggs blunder that basically cost them, you know, going to the Super Bowl. Williams had a bad play, but he's great. I mean, he's the the free safety. He's the eliminator now, covers a ton of ground. I mean, he doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. There's a couple of those guys on here. Really rangy, true center fielder. Yeah, yeah. Justin Simmons here at number eight from the Denver Broncos. I mean, they gave him the franchise tag and let Chris Harris walk basically because of it. And he gets better every year. Um, He easily could be higher, but I bet it shocks some people that I have him at eight. Number seven and six here, back to back, you have the Minnesota Vikings tandem of Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris. You have Harris over Smith, which is interesting. I did. And I didn't do that to cause waves. I just, he, you know, Smith or Harris was also franchised. We talked about how Earl Thomas, I think he took the mantle from Ed Reed as the best center fielder type. I kind of felt like Reed and Troy Polamalu were the best two safeties for a long time. And Smith doesn't get lumped in with Earl Thomas, but I would say he was right in that neighborhood for this generation. But Harris is much more free. Smith is much more strong, but they do a lot of things well. But I've gotten to the point where I think Harris was slightly better. Covers a lot of ground, too. Okay, Matt, I think this is where you're going to get into some fights on Twitter. At Williamson NFL, number five, Jamal Adams. I love him. I mean, anyone's listening to the show, we've talked about this guy a lot, even before he was traded. Doesn't take the ball away, though. And strictly from a coverage standpoint, I don't think he's – I think he's a B. I think he's okay. He's not great. And he doesn't take the ball away enough. So the guys ahead of him – reserve judgment until you hear these four names. Yeah, it, like we said, he's like, hey, he's got to be top four. And then you think, well, okay, who are the four names ahead of him? I'm just going to go through these names really quick. You've got number four, Kevin Byard. Number three, Tyron Matthew. Away. Number two, Minka Fitzpatrick. Number one, Derwin James, who missed pretty much all of last year. And I, I can't wait to see what he looks like coming back for the Los Angeles Chargers. People are going to call you a homer, Matt, for putting Minka Fitzpatrick over Jamal Adams. I'm sure, but I also think Minka's taking the ball away was the tiebreaker for me. Um, free Kevin safety. Byard takes the ball away. Yeah, free, free safety, safety too is a box. harder trait yeah. to find. Um, and, and Derwin being one, 
I know he didn't light it up last year, but there's no one like him. I mean, he stands out from this crop. He's a really unique player. Physically, he is, uh, I think he should be number one. It's hard for me to say, okay, I put my stamp of approval on that with number one just because we didn't get to see him last year, and I think he got surpassed. Um, Maybe as far as production, like he was a rookie. That's all we've seen from him, but sky's the limit talent-wise, and you could put him in center field, but you don't need to because he's so big and powerful, and you can do other things with him closer to the line of scrimmage, and he's he's... He's a lot like Jamal Adams, just has an extra tick of length and athleticism to go with it, which is scary because of how good we've seen Jamal Adams play. So that little extra bit of coverage, I think, in length and, and athleticism is where Derwin James could be the number one on this list. I still need to see it all come together this year for him. post Yeah, if the Jets would have went to the Chargers and said, hey, let's swap, our guy's not happy, I don't think the Chargers no. say yes. And I don't think if anyone went to them and said, you can have our guy, we want Derwin. No, thanks. We'll keep the freak. Tyron Matthew, uh, how much does he have left? Uh, We'll we'll talk about him last. He's your number three safety right now in the NFL. I thought he kickstarted that defense and is an underrated, huge cog to a Super Bowl team. And again, versatility keeps coming up. I, I wrote that word a million times in this article, but he exemplifies it. I mean, if I was ranking the best slot corners in the league, he might be number one. That is Matt Williamson's list of the best safeties for 2020 in the NFL. You can argue with him about it at Williamson NFL on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Tag us in those Twitter Thursday questions as well for tomorrow's episode of Locked on NFL.